Welcome to the Seller Growth Podcast, sharing valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Here is your host, Rob Stanley. Hey everyone, Rob Stanley here with the Seller Growth Podcast. Today I got Liren Hirschkorn. How's it going, Liren? Going great. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. Yeah, so we had a little hiccup on our uh, our side, so uh, we jumped right back on. So we're going to start off with uh, talking about how to launch and market products on Amazon. And uh, Liron, why don't you, uh, let's start with launch. Like walk us through the process when you launch a product. What are some of the hiccups you run into? Uh, you know, what are some of the things people should be doing when they're launching their products on Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think 2020 has proven that, um, you know, there's more challenges that we dealt with in 2020 than than in the past um, when launching products. A lot of a lot of the reason is because of the uh, limitations Amazon has placed as far as how many units you've sent, uh, you can send in. Um, so some of the pivots that we've had to have in place um, in 2020 as part of a launch process um, is one, uh, purposely slow down the, the launch process. Um, and to make sure that we have the capability to to do merchant fulfilled um, with uh, with Amazon, because um, it, and it seems like things may be changing, but um, Amazon has limited um, 200 units for new SKUs, and so if you want to do um, traditional launch where you get very aggressive, uh, and we can talk about the details with with advertising, um, and you do some kind of launch rebate campaign, um, but you only have 200 units sitting at Amazon then you're very limited to how fast you can go. Uh, and you have to think about that, um, whether, you know, again, you want to add merchant fulfilled option or slow down the process. So um, as far as some of the steps, what we've done um, for products that are, I would say, not hyper competitive, we've used mainly uh, Amazon advertising to get initial traction along with um, other strategies to get some initial reviews. So um, using the Vine program, using the early reviewer program, maybe you ask, uh, you know, um, maybe you ask a few friends to get to help you get some initial reviews. I uh, wouldn't go too crazy, um, but you know, trying to get a few initial reviews, uh, launching the product using PPC, um, being very aggressive with the with the PPC strategy, um, and that's been uh, successful for a lot of products. Products that are, I would say, hyper competitive, like supplements um, or pet supplement products that we've that we've launched, we've also done aggressive PPC as well as some some search find buy type of uh, campaigns with rebates. But what we've done is we've purposely um, made the launch process longer um, with less units per day uh, because of the because of the restrictions on the amount of units that we could uh, that we could send in. So. Um, maybe we wanted to do, you know, 150 units and, and, or, you know, uh, maybe we wanted to do two, 300 units, but have done 150 units over a month instead of 300 units over a month, because, uh, you know, because again, we're limited in terms of, uh, how much stock we can send in on new products. And then phase two and three of the product, once Amazon opens up more inventory for us, when we have, a, once we have a little bit more traction, uh, with more. Uh, inventory we can send in, we'll go into phase two and phase three of the launch where we'll target more competitive keywords. So we start out with like very long tail keywords uh, in the beginning that also contain our main keyword in there. 
Um, and then phase two and three, we'll start to get into more competitive keywords once we have more reviews and once we can do kind of bigger um, bigger giveaways in terms of uh, in terms of of, uh, of launches. So we've had to pivot a little bit um, and approach the launch process a little bit differently um, because of changes in 2020. Yeah, uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. About it. Let's go back to the supplements. Now, first of all, yeah. supplements are usually something that a new seller shouldn't jump into. Uh, there's, you know, a, quite a bit of things you got to do. Uh, had a uh, had a guest on a couple of years back on one of the podcasts, and they talked about doing supplements. And this person had uh, done quite a bit of supplements. They talked about doing an entire marketing campaign prior to even putting the supplement up on Amazon. Have you heard of doing something like that? And what kind of like approach do you do? Like what kind of marketing would you do for something like that? And then also let's say, is that something somebody could do with maybe a non-supplement product? Yeah, I mean, it's possible that what they were doing was creating an audience ahead of time um, for the product and then um, and then having that audience sort of ready and warmed up to to buy the product at launch. Um, we generally, you know, already have these audiences either through services, um, that are out there for, for ranking, um, that we use. So we haven't had to, um, we haven't had to do that. Um, we did help a seller, um, last year that did a launch in a, in a more interesting way where they already had an audience. Um, and they also have a, a Shopify store and they were able to, the, the launch that they did was, um, they launched a, a 17, $17 product. Um, on Amazon, and they gave a twenty-five dollar gift card to their store for, to their Shopify store for anybody who bought um, who bought the product on Amazon. So they used their audience, um, and they gave a gift card, which that twenty-five dollar gift card you know cost them a lot less money. Um, you know, from a from a Cogs perspective, maybe it, maybe it's really like a you know five to seven dollar expense between the product and, and shipping. Um, as opposed to the full rebate, and they're getting people to come back to their store and buy, and not everyone probably will necessarily uh, even use the gift card. So um, that's kind of one of those situations where if you do have an audience, you could be smart about how you um, how you utilize it. But um, you know, for us, yeah, we did this in we did this in pet supplements. Um, you know, we when we're still we're still launching right now uh, several products in that space, and it's very competitive, and so we've had to do. Uh, beyond just aggressive PPC, we've we've had to do uh, launches, and I agree in terms of what you said as far as like not jumping into this. Um, it's a big market, but it's also very very competitive. And the sellers that we're working with, you know, have raised money, they have funding, um, they have the capability to spend money on uh, on the launch and be willing to lose money to just drive you know new customers and uh, and growth. Let, let's talk a little bit more because I, I know we're going to get a flood of questions in on this. You, so you were talking about they were giving away, I think you said like a gift card or something to their Shopify store. Mm -hmm. Go through that process a little bit because there I think there's a lot of misunderstandings of how to do it and not violate Amazon TOS. So could you kind of step us through that process yeah. of how they did that? Yeah. I mean, I think Amazon, uh, I think Amazon TOS. Um, you know, states uh, that you cannot incentivize a review. Um, it doesn't seem to me like Amazon is taking action against rebates that are just driving sales, but but you know, aren't 
also, you know, asking for review or forcing the review uh, as part of the process. So in, in this process, basically they emailed their audience um, and they, what they did was they segmented out um, their audience into different lists so that they didn't email the entire audience um, at once and basically ran this launch over the course um, of a period of time, I think over 10 days to send an email out to a certain segment of their audience with this offer so that they they could drive a certain amount of sales per day. It's not perfect because you don't know how many people are going to take you up on that offer, but they kind of figured out, um, you know, based on how many people they email, um, how many would take them up on the offer um, and were able to uh, to do that. And basically, yeah, they had people, you know, email them back the order number. Um, and once they verified that order number, then they, um, they gave the gift card to the storefront. There's other ways to um, automate this better with um, some tools or ManyChat or things that are out there. But um, so uh, I think a lot of this was managed uh, manually, but it, it also wasn't like a, a tremendously big launch. Um, and I think the idea of giving a gift card to your Shopify store to that audience is really smart if you if you have buyers that are coming, you know, that are um, on your email list that are that are shopping on Shopify. For a lot of Amazon sellers, it's not necessarily the case, but um, if you have that capability, it's really smart because you're just driving more affinity to your uh, to your brand. You and I are both on a lot of uh, Facebook groups and stuff, and I see this question come up a lot. And let's talk a little bit about it. Insert cards. Can they still do insert cards, but they got to be careful what they say on them? Or, I, I yeah. mean, we've talked we've talked a little bit about people have used insert cards for warranty. And as long as you're having to go to a warranty page and strictly a warranty page and not using it to try to get feedback, that's okay. Uh, maybe dive into that a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's a I think it's a gray area. So I'll preface, uh, you know, I'll share what we do, but I'll preface saying that, um, you know, um, do you know, do it at at uh, understanding that it is this is a gray area. Um, but we do. Uh, I think my opinion is, if you're not talking about reviews on the insert, you're at a lot less risk to you know potentially get in trouble. Um, and you know, I can tell you also that um, last week I interviewed somebody who um, you know has a vendor relationship, and Amazon has looked at their products. They've they've sent them to the vendor manager. Um, they have inserts in there. They're a big company. They do, um, this person works for them. They do hundred million plus with Amazon on a vendor. They have inserts and they've told me that, you know, Amazon has sort of, you know, seen the products, looked the products, opened the products. Um, and they've never, it's never, they've never raised a, a concern with them. Um, what we do, um, one product I have right now, what we do is we give a, a lifetime warranty um, and we have an insert card. We take people through a tax process. So um, we'll say, you know, text this word, um, you know, to this number, um, to activate your lifetime warranty must, must be done within 14 days of purchase. Um, and then we take them into, um, a text funnel, um, that basically asks them what the order number is, what their email is. We get that information. We, ver we, we then tell them the warranty is activated. And then after that, we do ask them for feedback, how they like the product. If they have a problem, we try to solve it. Um, refund or replace a product, um, or if they like the product, then we will ask them for uh, for an honest review on Amazon. Um, again, we're not incentivizing um, the person; like everybody who opts in can get the the the, the lifetime warranty. 
Um, the one gray area I would say is that we are that we're doing or, you know, or that some some may say may be a violation is we're asking the person for their feedback first. Um, if they have a problem, you know, we're not asking them for a review. We're trying to solve their problem um, from a customer service standpoint. It's great from Amazon standpoint. You know, maybe they would say it's manipulation, um, but that's what that's what we do. We haven't had any issues. Um, so I think you just need to be smart about it. And, you know, um, you know, the most successful sellers that are driving the most amount of reviews are utilizing strategies like this. Um, we have another, uh, we have a client that um, <clears throat> sells a consumable product. And in their case, they offer a free gift uh, because they can't offer a lifetime warranty. Um, and again, they don't mention anything about review. They give everybody the free gift. Everybody who opts in, they give the free gift. Then they follow up for a review. But the benefit that they get is they also get the person's email. Um, they opt in and then they can, you know, they do email marketing um, to to that uh, buyer. So just getting the data from Amazon um, is super valuable. So I think it's worth, you know, it's worth money to get that data. And that's why they'll spend, you know, six, seven dollars per uh, between the, the free gift and the, and the shipping of it per customer. Um, and they've also 5x their review rate since they've they've implemented this. So um, I think these are strategies you should put in place. But, you know, obviously at your own risk. Yeah, I, I mean, I would always be about collecting that data and getting those people because when you go to launch that new product, you like you just talked about earlier, you've got a built-in database of people that you can launch that product to as long as it's comparable or in the same you know mm -hmm. category. Uh, yeah. Just real quick, everybody joining us, I got Leron Hirschkorn on. Please hit that like and subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. And real quick, just need to mention that we got coming up this coming Thursday at 11th. Mm -hmm. Leron's going to be on. We have the Accrue Seller Growth Summit. Uh, be sure to take a look at the screen. Go to accruemesummit.com. It is free. He will be there this Thursday, and we'll continue on. So, uh, Leron, why don't you also uh, jump into a little bit? You were talking a little earlier about uh, the display network on Amazon and some of the mm -hmm. marketing. Uh, maybe step us through, like, if I'm not mistaken on the display network, there, there is several different options for display network. And then maybe also talk a little bit about PPC or what is your combination you do when you're launching as far as the marketing side? Yeah. Um, so I think from the display network, there's there's two ways that you can sort of get access to some of the display network. Um, one is um, through Seller Central uh, sponsored display ads. And then one is through the DSP, um, DSP platform. Um, the DSP platform is, you know, something sellers don't have direct access to, or brands don't have direct access to. Typically, it's something Amazon will reach out to you, or you can reach out to them um, to to utilize, or you can run through agencies. Um, it's actually cheaper to run through um, to run through an agency than to run it through Amazon. Um, I think you have a lot of advantages working um, through an agency. The minimums are less, um, you know, as far as the the overall minimums and the um, line item minimums, meaning the different uh, strategies. Um, I would say that unless you're fully maximizing the opportunities of advertising in Seller Central, that you should not consider DSP, and you should really work on the um, Seller Central side, if anything, on the um, product um, sponsor display. So within sponsor display, there's a couple of options. Um, one is product targeting. Um, and one is um, retargeting. So product targeting, um, I highly recommend, allows you to put um, basically um, display kind of ads that show up uh, in a variety of places, including underneath the bullets, underneath the buy box, next to reviews, 
um, sometimes at the top uh, of a page, um, sort of in, in different banner type of formats. Um, and I highly recommend that. And again, it's a you can test this at you know minimum budgets, $10, $10 a day, $5 a day, um, low, low budgets. Um, cost per click can be cheaper than on sponsored product ASIN targeting. Um, retargeting um, you know, is something worth testing. The one benefit of retargeting within sponsored display as opposed to DSP is that you're paying per cost per click, um, unlike DSP where you pay for uh, impressions. So it's a little bit of a different model. Um, and I recommend it also. I think it's especially um, important if you have a consumable type product, if you have a product that's more expensive, there's more use cases for um, retargeting um, or remarketing. Remarketing is targeting people who have bought your product in the past. Um, but if you have a high priced product, you know the whole point of retargeting is somebody came to your listing and then you show them an ad again. If you have a high priced product, there's likely uh, a longer consideration period, a longer period of time where they are, um, you know, thinking about making that decision to uh, purchase your product, um, and so it makes more sense. Um, on the DSP side, I would say you want to look at it more so from brand building and not the same. It's not sort of uh, an immediate ROAS type thing, um, and and there's also opportunity for cannibalization of your organic sales if you do turn on retargeting. Um, somebody could be on your listing, uh, and two minutes later, they're served a retargeting ad. Um, and if they just view it, that's considered attribution um, for uh, a sale, and maybe it didn't influence their purchase. So these are some of the things that we test with DSP. We'll sometimes, uh, with, within DSP, we have a lot more control. Um, and so sometimes we won't retarget for the first two or three days somebody was on your listing because they might be coming to buy back anyway. Um, and we don't want to cannibalize organic. Um, but within DSP, there's a lot of different targeting options. Um, I would classify it as sort of bottom of funnel retargeting or remarketing people who bought your product in the past, uh, mid funnel targeting people who viewed competitors products, but didn't view yours. And then there's top of funnel, um, that you could do, which is targeting audiences. So if you're selling in fitness, you can target people who are into, you know, sports and fitness recovery, uh, work, working, uh, uh, you know, products, fitness related uh, products um, that you can target. But this is very broad based targeting. It does not produce that same return on ad spend as, um, you know, somebody searching for, you know, kettleball, uh, for example. So you just need to be to understand the targeting types, the budgets needed and some of the differences between the options in Seller Central, as well as the options within the Amazon Display Network. Um, again, I would say for DSP, works well for consumable products, high price products, or if you want to do more brand building um, and you're already spending, you know, 15, 20,000 a month on uh, advertising uh, in Seller Central and you're already doing, you know, two, three million a year in sales uh, in your Amazon business, then those are kind of the times where I might consider putting money into uh, DSP. Perfect. Yeah, we had, uh, sorry, we had a couple of questions come in and I kind of missed. So let, let's do a little catch up here. Uh, hi to everybody. First of all, we appreciate all the highs and the, all the love with the, uh, with the uh, likes and, and subscribes. So uh, it says, what text message service do you use? Uh, good question. Um, we use um, simpletexting.com. Um, it's very simple, um, very easy to use and set up. And we have an automated message that um, the person gets when they first opt in, then they also get a message where, you know, the, the legal uh, messaging around the ability for them to, to opt out. Um, and then we have a VA that takes over manual, manually from there. I believe there's more automations you can set up there, but 
Uh, we use simpletexting.com. There's other platforms that do it. It's not the only one, but that's what we use and very easy to get set up and start using. Awesome. That's perfect. And uh, big shout out, Algo said, excited for the summit. They're one of our sponsors. Appreciate you guys uh, being on. Had another question come in about, they said, uh, sorry, TSP and subboards. I Did they mean DSP? DSP. Um, yeah. DSP is um, demand side platform. To explain it simply, um, it's programmatic display ads. So they're, they're, Amazon has this network of, of sites um, across the web, some that they own, like Twitch and IMDb, um, others that that they don't own, where you can buy um, you can buy ads across those sites as well as on Amazon. Um, so essentially, it's the ability to programmatically buy space. Um, across the web using the audiences that are that Amazon has. Amazon, there are other display networks. Google has a display network. There's other display networks. Um, but Amazon's display network is very strong because Amazon has so much shopping behavior data based on consumers. And again, there's a lot of different targeting options um, you can do within, within DSP. Um, even uh, we have a client that advertises on, um, on Fire TV, um, you know, like a, like a TV commercial. Um, but again, that's very much a brand building type play. Um, you know, it, think about t from a top of funnel perspective, think about, you know, Nike running, running a, uh, you know, a TV ad, right? You're not necessarily going to see the immediate sales that come from that. But if you do, if you do that, you know, over six months or a year, you're going to build up a lot of people knowing your brand. And when somebody thinks about buying a sneaker, now they know about Nike and they might go buy that. So some of the best ways to measure the effectiveness of these campaigns is, uh, and and some of this data Amazon uh, can share with you um, is around, you know, how many more branded searches are you getting um, on Amazon? Um, you know, overall traffic to your listing. What is the estimated cost per detail page view that's that you're getting from uh, from DSP? How many new subscribe and save customers, new to brand purchases? These these are some metrics. Um, but again, you know, if um, if you're, let's say, a smaller seller um, on, uh, underneath $5 million a year, even, I would say, probably you shouldn't be doing any top of funnel stuff. You should be focused more on, um, you know, bottom of the funnel as well as competitor targeting. Um, and if you're underneath a million in sales, I don't think DSP is something you should, uh, you know, consider either. Um, and That's the great. Un uh, unfortunate yeah. part, um, just to add there, is, you know, Amazon reps will reach out to you and sort of pitch you on this. Um, and, um, you know, they don't pay attention to if, you know, how much you're selling and if it makes sense for you or not, they have goals they need to reach, uh, as far as ad spend and they'll pitch you on, you know, 15,000 a month spend, um, and sellers don't really understand what they're getting into. And then they see, they got a, a one ROAS, um, you know, and it's not what they were expecting and they blew a lot of money fast. So, um, it's part of the reason why. I talk about this, even though, you know, maybe for a lot of people watching this, it might not be right for them, but also knowing that it's not right for you um, will also save you money. Yeah, no, that's good information. How many times, uh, Liron, have you seen where, you know, a new seller gets into Amazon, uh, they, they don't like create a brand, they just start reselling stuff out of China. And, you know, they're just kind of doing the same same as everybody else. And, and then they get really kind of defeated and they're just like, man, this didn't work versus, you know, going and let's not necessarily having to get like a created from your mind, brand new product, 
but at least go get something that's different than everybody else's, put your name on it and go that route. Talk about that a little bit. What, you know, kind of, what kind of, uh, you know, issues have you seen with that and what, what kind of advice you give? Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting because, you know, we can talk a lot about, you know, you asked me, we started out talking about, um, launch strategies and we could talk about launch strategies all day. We could talk about tactics and ranking and, and all these things. But if you, you know, if, if you didn't get the product right and you chose a, what, what I would call, uh, and, and other people might say is a me too product, um, you know, you got into a very competitive niche, um, and it's easy for anybody else to source that product and create a, a listing and compete with you. And it's very low cost and, you know, there's, it's a commodity item. Um, you know, that's the biggest reason why I see people that aren't having success. It's really choosing the wrong product. At the same time, I've seen people have success that, you know, don't know Amazon all that well. They're not super experts. They haven't been in this space for five years. They maybe their first product. Um, and they had success because they happened to choose the right product and put in thought more around the product selection, the look of the product, um, the branding, you know, the packaging, like all these aspects they put thought around. Um, and it's it just, it's a lot easier when you, when you do that, everything moves a lot smoother. When you choose the wrong product, everything's an uphill battle. Your launch will not work. You'll rank, and then you, and then you'll you'll lose you'll lose the rank. Your PPC will not will not work. You'll have trouble getting, you know, clicks and impressions and uh, and a reasonable uh, a cost. Like everything just won't work well. Um, and so I see it a lot um, because you know it's it's you know it's uh, choosing the right product is not easy. But I would say it's the most important aspect of uh, you know I think of selling on Amazon because you can always learn the other things and, you know, get help or hire somebody, you know, if you started off with the right product, but, or, and the right packaging and the right look. But if you started off with, you know, if you're, if you're launching a, a jump rope, um, that looks like everybody else's and it's a $10 product, uh, and you're competing against other people with, you know, thousands of reviews. Um, it's just tough because, um, you know, you have to give that consumer a reason to buy your product and there's competitors that already look better than you. Um, so I think you need to really ask yourself, why would somebody buy buy my product? Um, before this, you know, the call I got kind of hung up on was a guy I spoke to who's in the skincare brand. And, um, you know, his brand is very um, sort of newer, you know, a few hundred reviews launched last year, but not his first skincare brand. Um, but, you know, he has a look, he has a feel, looks premium. It's, he's going for a certain market. Um, He's thought a lot about, he's gone into a competitive market, but he's thought a lot about the brand. Um, and, you know, those are the sellers that I see that are having more success. And, uh, yeah, the ones that feel like defeated, et cetera, it's mostly not because you don't really know how to do Amazon. It's just you didn't choose the right product. Yeah, which, which should also be, It should be encouraging, too, because, you know, you should get rid of that product and try try again, you know, and you probably learned a bunch of things, even if you... I wouldn't consider it a failure because you probably learned a lot of things in launching your first or second product. Um, and so, and, and most of the time, you know, if you talk to the most successful sellers, it wasn't necessarily their first product that, you know, um, was their most successful product. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons you can learn in, in launching and you should, but also you have to, you know, be thoughtful around the product you're launching and why it's better 
you know, for the consumer. Or, I mean, there are certain times where you can break into a category, but your advantage needs to be capital. You know, the the willingness to lose money or break even for a year while you accumulate reviews and can catch up to some competitors. That's also a strategy, but for a lot of smaller sellers, it's not a you know reasonable strategy. And um, you could choose other products, you know, that um, that you can launch. You know, th this strategy in terms of putting a lot of money behind something is more uh, of what I see with brands that also have other distribution channels. They're launching into retail stores. They're launching on their own website and they really want to break into Amazon and it's competitive. And so, you know, they don't have necessarily a choice in choosing another product, but they do have the funding where they can break into the market. Yeah. So we had another question come in. Let's throw this up here real quick. Is there anything a registered brand can do that uses, I think they mean keywords, KW, catered to adult type themes? That's a, that's a really interesting one. Yeah. I mean, um, there, there's a variety of things depending on what depending on what the product is. Um, there are a variety of things. Um, so first, sometimes certain products you just won't be able to run ads for those products. Um, but you can still have a plus content. You can still have a storefront. You can still build great packaging. Um, you know, you can still differentiate your product, and you can find other ways to drive traffic to those products. So you can still do launches uh, and drive organic rank. Now, there are sometimes certain products that um, you can't have. Okay, so I'll give you I'll give you a situation. I had a seller that I helped with, one of our clients, that um, had a product. Um, so, so I'll share with you. Um, it's um, it's a prosthetic um, um, breasts. Okay, um, people who have uh, breast surge, you know, uh, uh, breast cancer um, sometimes will use them, or people who um, our cross-dressers will use them. Um, so a variety of, of use cases. And one of the competitors was able to run ads and they weren't. And the reason was the competitor um, had didn't show the nipple uh, on the product in their images. They turned the product upside down. And so they already had a lot of traction with one variation that had great images and stuff. And they didn't want to lose that. So And they couldn't run ads for it. So they launched another variation, another color, that did have the same thing, the images upside down, and then it was approved through being able to run ads. And now when somebody came to the listing, obviously they saw both variations, the more popular kind of style and color and, and the less popular one. So there was a workaround there. There isn't necessarily a workaround, you know, if you're selling sex toys, uh, for example, sometimes you'll see people, um, you know, um, putting it into like the health category, but typically it's short-lived, Amazon will move it, and it's not a good long-term strategy. Or sometimes there are certain keywords you won't be able to have in your title. Um, so I spoke to a seller this week that sells a product that is like a, a microscope type product, um, electronic that you can put on your phone um, and you can put it on um, marijuana has an app um, and then it's tied into the app and it will tell you the strain, uh, the type of marijuana, the THC content, like it gives you a lot of info on it. Um, hmm. It's a cool product. But they they can run run ads, but they don't have the word marijuana in the title, for example. So they're losing something by you know by being able to run the ad. So you know sometimes you'll have to make those with certain products make those decisions on you know is there an opportunity to run ads, and if there aren't, there are other ways that you could try to drive traffic from outside or influence the organic ranking, um, you know to to kind of show up. So 
Um, it, yeah, if they if they had the word marijuana in it, maybe they maybe they would have some SEO benefits in the search results, but they wouldn't be able to run ads. So that's some of the some of the trade offs. Um, but you know, in all cases, if you're if you have brand registry, you can have a storefront A plus content. You can create better you know um, you can create a better experience to drive more conversions uh, on your listing. Yeah. What now? You mentioned earlier on we mentioned Shopify. So. Are you using Shopify prior to launching on Amazon? Like, have you gone on, launched the, the Shopify store, use it to maybe prep some of the photos, titles, descriptions, or are you kind of doing it after a product has launched? What's your approach on yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, my Shopify hasn't been a big focus of mine. Um, I would say there's two ways to, two ways to approach it. Um, one is uh, launch Amazon first, get traction on Amazon, build a seven-figure business, then move to Shopify. Um, or start with Shopify, put a tremendous amount of emphasis on Shopify, on social media, on, on building an audience for a good amount of time, then go to Amazon. There's pros and cons to both. So this year, um, I helped a seller that um, we launched a product on Amazon, and in their first month, that product did $100,000 in sales with spending uh, only a few thousand dollars on, on ads. Everything else was organic. But the reason is because the year prior, they took the time to build a, they essentially built a Shopify business first and then were referred to me to say, hey, they're interested in getting on Amazon. They had already built up over 100,000 followers on their Instagram um, and Amazon already had, um, I think there were over 10,000 searches a month for their brand name, uh, you know, combination of their brand name or brand name with keywords. So they had a massive advantage coming into Amazon and almost, you know, they initially sent in 200 units, um, sold out immediately, sent in more. Um, they, um, we didn't do anything for ranking. We, again, we spent very little on on ads, um, and their ACOS uh, was excellent. They had a lot of branded searches, um, and within a month, they became like number one for most of the keywords in their niche because their conversion rates were so good. We didn't need to do anything, um, you know, sort of highly tactical from a ranking perspective they just converted so well and had so many visitors that um and so many great you know so many conversions that um they kind of dominated that product um you know has done over a hundred thousand a month since we launched it i believe it was october um it's got over 600 reviews now and again they haven't done anything inserts nothing to just to, to sort of drive that but they had a massive amount of branded search terms, uh, which really helped. Now, the things that we did do off the bat was creating a great listing, A plus content, they had video on their listing, running video ads, all these things are things that, you know, I think really helped get those conversions and they, they did get, you know, positive reviews um, for the product. Um, they also forced, you know, I've seen the market, you know, kind of kind of change um, competitors that they had that were, that were um, you know, have, have lowered their price, you know, so I've seen them make a real impact and, they're hovering between, you know, bestseller and like number two in the category, um, you know, in the subcategory on Amazon. So that's a great strategy. If, you know, I think if you're going to really put the focus in on just building out that audience and Shopify and doing it really, really well. Um, personally, for me, my my personal skill set is much stronger on Amazon than off. So personally, for me, I would start on Amazon and then I would move to Shopify. Um, but that's because that's where my personal expertise is. Um, and I've seen sellers do this very well. Um, you know, I have a friend, uh, Andy Slamins. Um, I think his 
you know, I think he's his goal. He he did over ten million last year on Amazon, but he did over, uh, I believe, over a million on on Shopify, and it was his first real year sort of driving Shopify. Um, and so he was on Amazon first, built up a following, and then took it to Shopify once he got you know a good amount of traction on Amazon. So Amazon requires focus. So I would say, um, for me personally, I would start on Amazon and then move over. Um, unless again, you're well-funded and you can hire an agency or a team to say, okay, here's money, here's budgets, go build, build them at the same time. But, you know, for most sellers who are bootstrapping and putting a lot of their time and focus on building the business, um, I personally believe, you know, personally, I think Amazon is easier to get traction with. There's less moving parts, um, that you have to worry about, like fulfillment and conversion optimization and gaining trust and building out the store. Um, social media audiences creative for advertising. Amazon is a lot has a lot more of those things built in that are um, you know that you don't need to worry about. So I, I personally think it's uh, it's easier. Um, but you know, for example, if I had a partner, um, I have another client that we're working with, um, and they also launched first off Amazon. But but there's three partners, and one of them is a YouTuber with like eight hundred thousand subscribers. So uh, or sorry. 8 million subscribers, I believe. So really, really big YouTuber. And so they're able to just go to his audience and launch launch a product first. Um, and so if I had that sort of advantage, I would launch first off Amazon, build a brand, and then bring it to Amazon. Yeah, so everybody, please be sure to hit that like and subscribe. We, we got, and get those last uh, questions in. We're gonna you know wrap it up here in the next few minutes, but uh, if you got any last questions, get them in. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I personally start, I mean, there was no Amazon when I was selling online, you know, 20 plus years ago. So everything I did was more website related than it went to eBay. But I do have to say, like I talking to some uh, people I know that sell on both Amazon and eBay, uh, they did uh, like their combined sales, 50% of it was actually made up between eBay. Now, again, they established eBay very early on and built a reputation there between eBay and their online Shopify store. They did as much in sales as they did on Amazon, so you yeah. know there's there's a way to expand there. But again, they had a reputation already on eBay. Definitely, so, and I would say you know if you asked me, um, you know, two years ago, I would say just focus on Amazon, build up Amazon, and I would say wait till you're much bigger to go to Shopify. But um, it kind of changed my mind because I've seen so many sellers in 2020 have so much success on Shopify um, that now I would say. You can start earlier. Um, I would still start on Amazon, get get you know success with products, get profitable because you're going to need that money, uh, that profit to spend on building out Shopify, Facebook ads, building funnels, you know all all the things you need to do there. Um, but I would say you know given what's happened in the last year, just I, I've seen so just e all of e commerce has grown, so I, I think there's just more opportunity with Shopify um, now as well, and and even Walmart, you know to some extent. Uh, mm -hmm. Walmart, Etsy, I've seen a lot of sellers have, have success. Walmart, I feel like is, um, I continuously see them making improvements. Um, you know, I'm more sort of tied in and watching what they're doing on the ad side. We, we manage a couple of clients right now for ads for Walmart and I see them, um, they just bought, you know, a company that was in the display side. They, they're, um, they're, they're ramping up their capabilities. And so, you know, I see this as a good, maybe early opportunity to get into Walmart. It's still not going to be, I think, the majority of your sales, but um, you know, I do, I do see more and more the benefits of, um, you know, getting, you know, not being fully tied into Amazon and the ability to have success on other, uh, on other channels as well. And I would say, 
if I had to choose one channel other than Amazon, it would be Shopify because at least I fully own the customer, um, unlike other platforms. And um, you know, I'm kind of building my brand out more than just being on marketplaces. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're right. Etsy is a great platform. My daughter and her friend just launched their business. They had 10 sales the first day wow. on, on Etsy. So they did, uh, they're doing like handmade jewelry and uh, it's really cool stuff. Anyways, yeah, that's for another yeah. segment. All right, Liron, uh, why don't you tell everybody you, you have the company that you launched, it's more like a service or a, uh, well, tell us about it. Tell us about the company that you launched after you sold your brand and, uh, you know, give us some detail on how people can, uh, look sure. you up and get help from you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you see, you see here in the logo, uh, Incrementum Digital um, is uh, my agency. We offer um, a number of services. Uh, we're very focused on Amazon uh, advertising um, as a service, helping sellers, you know, grow their business using advertising. It's uh, I think a really important, should be a really important part of your, uh, of your strategy. Um, we also do full brand management. So working with some bigger brands or those kind of funded brands that are in other channels um, to fully manage their, their Amazon business. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the major, you know, areas we work with. Again, we're starting to, you know, delve into Walmart, um, generally mostly for our Amazon ad customers. Um, getting into Walmart and you know expand our our capabilities in terms of what we could do. We will sometimes take on one-off type services. We we have an in-house team that works on our brand management side around you know listings and um, and copy and and graphics and and all that stuff. So sometimes we'll, we will take on those one-off services. But our main focus is Amazon advertising, DSP, um, as well as you know fully running um, you know an entire brand from a marketing perspective, launches, reviews, ranking. Um, as well as ads. So um, uh, we have a team of, of 30 plus and, you know, we currently work with over 150 uh, brands. Wow, that's perfect. Yeah, we're getting more questions coming in. So we're, we'll keep going if the questions keep coming. So uh, this one's kind of long, so I'll, I'll try to just summarize it. Uh, if launching a brand new product, what would you would be an optimal way to structure the PPC? Uh, maybe answer that part first and I'll, I'll get the second question for you ready on that. Yeah, so um, if you, if you want to use PPC for organic ranking, um, what we do is we will set up an exact match campaign, um, focus on 10 to 20 of the most relevant keywords, um, between long tail and, you know, more, more high volume keywords. Um, we'll use a lower bid and use top of search placement. So we'll, we'll get very aggressive with like 900% top of search placement, dynamic bid up and down. Um, we do the same thing with ASIN targeting. So we'll take the ASINs that we think we can, um, that that we'll take ASINs that are also um, showing up for those keywords we want to target. We'll target those ASINs uh, with um, uh, product attribution targeting campaign, lower bid, 900% top of, top of product page uh, targeting. Um, and then I would say come out with a, a bit more of an aggressive price, give people a reason to buy the product. Um, maybe you're going to add a coupon or a more aggressive price, um, get those conversions, get traction and, you know, um, drive reviews, uh, along the way. So that's generally kind of our strategy from a, from a PPC perspective. Excellent. And I think that was my buddy, Alan. Good to see you, Alan. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to wrap everything up here. Uh, you know, definitely go take a look at Liron's uh, website. I had it up on the screen there. I'll make sure it's down in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. And uh, Liron, thanks for being on the uh, Seller Growth Podcast. And don't forget, everybody, Thursday, you can see Liron, myself, 
on the Akrumi Summit, akrumisummit.com, this coming Thursday, the 11th. And uh, thanks again for being on. Hey, by the way, I missed the, uh, where's the black cover hat, man? Usually you got that. Well, you know what? Um, I upgraded my life with my own merch. <laughs> um, nice. so, so I now have, uh, I now am all, uh, you know, incrementum digital all, all over. So, um, but I do love Tony Robbins, uh, who wears, who I got the black clover hats, uh, through. I love those hats. Um, I love those hats but, yeah. too, man. Well, next yeah. time I see you have a hat waiting for me and I'll start rocking your hat. Yes. But sounds great. good. Awesome. Thanks, man. Well, great having you on. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on the Seller Growth Podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, Accrue If you are an Amazon seller looking for funding, be sure to visit accrueme.com and fill out the three-minute instant funding form. Join us next week for more great tips to help you grow your business.